You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today is game day. It is Pacers-Nets, a team that the Pacers cannot get past this season. They had one of their worst fourth quarters of the season against the Nets about a month ago. They had their worst first half of the season against the Nets a few months ago. It's just been an absolute obstacle for them. And tonight will be no different. And I want to preview that game and then... We've talked about the Nets a lot. We've even had a Nets expert, Matt Brooks of XP Nation, come on and talk about them. So can talk about some other stuff today, too. I want to do a standings watch. I know Adam sort of did a look ahead at the play-in and, you know, can the Pacers actually make it or not make it yesterday. I think looking at the standings and the schedules of the team around them can add some context to what's going on with the Pacers. And I want to do standings watch every week anyway uh, so we can get some more context there. And then I want to talk about something that the Pacers are doing a lot right now, and that is driving the ball. Edmund Sumner said something after the Magic game about drives, and I want to talk about it. It's pretty interesting given the context of the current team. Let's start with the Nets. This game is going to be unlike any Nets game we've seen the Pacers play this season. So they played back in February. There we go. Months are hard. Uh, and Kyrie Irving played, and Kevin Durant and James Harden did not, and the Nets dominated the Pacers. And then they played in March, and James Harden played, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did not, and the Nets dominated the Pacers. Not really. The Pacers were in that game until James Harden just took over in the fourth quarter. Look, if you find a way to stop James Harden when the game is on the line, congrats. You can be an NBA head coach. Whatever. They should have done better than that. This time... If the injury report right now is to be believed, the Nets are on a back-to-back and they change things up all the time. But if the Nets' current injury report is to be believed, they will not have James Harden, but they will have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So it's going to be their first time against Durant this season, and that's where we start. Kevin Durant is exceptional. Kevin Durant might be the best player in the NBA when he is fully on. I've had him as the best player in the NBA for a while when he's fully on. I think he's just phenomenal, unguardable, good to, good to great defender when engaged. Just no answers for him. And that's where this game will start because, look, the Pacers played the Nets tough last time. They were able to win some non-James Harden minutes. They were able to make Harden uncomfortable and force some turnovers. You cannot do any of that stuff with Kevin Durant. You just can't, right? Like, he he's playmaking more of the series. up to five, over five assists per game, right? He's He did that with the Warriors a few times, but he's getting better at handling pressure and getting rid of the ball too, so sending doubles at him isn't a viable strategy. He can shoot over the top of anyone because he's really like seven feet tall, and he has a smooth handle. Like, he can do anything. It's, it's, it's literally impossible to guard him. So, what can the Pacers do instead? Well, one thing they can do is pray and hope, right? When he, when Kevin Durant's in the game, you gotta... You can do some stuff to make Kyrie Irving uncomfortable. He's super creative and impossible to guard. The Pacers found that out earlier this season. But you can make him more uncomfortable than Durant. And you just pray their role players miss a bunch of threes. <laughs> like, sometimes it's it's that boring. So the Nets lead the league. They are first in two-point percentage. That surprised me. Not because they, they have superstars. Like, obviously, they're going to be good at making shots. But I just did not figure they'd be first because of you know DeAndre Jordan clogging up the pain and the way they create you think would be easier to get jumpers for their teammates and not necessarily shots at the basket but 
they've done a phenomenal job, Steve Nash and this Nets team has, of, you know, when, when the defense is clamping down on whatever star has the ball or whatever star is making it happen at that moment, the Nets have done a great job of Joe Harris is going to cut and he's going to score, right? Or, oh, Jeff Green is going to run to the rim and dunk or, or whatever, get into the lane and score. Or whatever other stars on the court is going to get in the lane and score. Bruce Brown has been effective in the paint scoring the ball this year. Uh, Landry Shamit's been decently effective in the lane scoring the ball this year. Blake Griffin's giving them some quality minutes. The Pacers will get to see him again in this one. So that's going to be something like if you can't stop Durant and you don't have a center, right, the Nets might just feast from inside. So a lot of winning this game for the Pacers might just be like praying the Nets shoot poorly from three, which sounds really lame, but I mean, they're just, they're that good for a reason. They're first in the East for a reason. They're really hard to defend. Uh, back in March, when the Nets were able to pull it out in the fourth quarter, again, thanks to a phenomenal James Harden performance, uh, the re- that game got to the fourth quarter and the Nets shot 33% from deep that game. Didn't even take that many threes. They were hunting those, those two pointers. They shot almost 50%. From the field in that game. Something the Pacers did well and something that is kind of a requirement to defending the Nets well this year and having a chance in these games is they force turnovers. I talked about this with Adam earlier this week, but the Nets, the games they lose, they turn it over a lot. They're like 14th, 15th in the league in turnovers um, right now. And a lot of their losses are games they turn it over often. Their last loss was to Toronto uh, on April 21st. In that game, they had 13 turnovers. They lost before that. They had 18 turnovers. They lost before that. They had 15 turnovers, right? That's what happens. And they're, that, that lost to Philly with a bunch of turnovers. They also shot 19% from deep, right? So that's kind of the blueprint. They lost to Toronto. They shot 32% from deep. Is those role players, if, if they have an Inferny Simons-esque game from deep, it's over. Like, it's just over. Kevin Durant's going to get whatever shot he wants at any time. Kyrie Irving is an ancillary player. Is unfair. And their role players are, are okay at finishing at the basket. So you can't give them extra possessions. And that's not as big of a deal. The Pacers have been struggling with those offensive rebounds thanks to their lack of size. But, you know, since um, DeAndre Jordan's just okay on the glass now at this stage of his career, Jeff Green's not really huge. They don't have to worry about the glass as much as they have in past seasons. So uh, that's not as big of a deal. They, they still have to limit the second possessions. But getting forcing those turnovers in a way they couldn't against the Blazers – uh, praying that the Nets missed some threes in a way that the Blazers also didn't. And offensively, there's a lot of holes in the Nets, right? Like, I've been focused on stopping them so far. Scoring on them is not particularly hard. They're 25th in defense. They still have some guys who, when engaged again, are good defenders. But this is where they really struggle. They have, they have some really poor individual defenders, and that forces a lot of help. So when they're clicking and their help is good, they can still be okay on defense. They have some good defensive games. They have some okay defensive players, right? Harden defending in the post is good. Kevin Durant's a good defender. Bruce Brown is a really good defender. Jeff Green can be a good defender. Nick Claxton can be a good defender. I could go on and on about some guys that are good individual guys. Their help is really weak. Get them moving. Get those drives going, which I'll talk about in the last segment today. Make them move. Make them help. Make them make mistakes themselves. And then you have a chance. Or you, know, you can wear them down, make those threes a little tougher. Things like that. But they're amazing. They're you know, they, they're my they're gonna be my title favorite when the playoffs start, even though I'm liking some stuff I'm seeing from other teams. I just I don't know how you can beat this team. They're just they're ridiculously good. Kevin Durant might be the best basketball player on planet Earth. Kyrie Irving is having a tremendous season, like just all at the same time. I, I don't know how this team can be beaten. So we'll see what happens. 
we'll see what happens. They are a low offensive rebounding team, 26. Maybe that's what the Pacers can can get away with. They they they're short guys, and maybe Goga plays. He's questionable. No Sabonis, no Turner. We're used to the small ball Pacers at this point, but maybe Goga's in there. He can get some boards and and keep this game close for a while. The Pacers did play them tough with one star earlier this season, um, but if they have two, it might just be over. So we'll see what happens. I would predict the Nets to win, but could be a big one for the Pacers because today the Celtics beat the Hornets, which means the Pacers, if they beat the Nets, can move into a tie for eighth. And that's what brings me to standings watch. Let's take a look at this. See what the Pacers are up against. Maybe not necessarily in regards to finishing in the play, and all that's certainly going to guide where we start and end this discussion, but just in general where they sit in the standings to reach their goals. But first, got to talk about rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is really hard to stock all the parts you'll need for your car in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure the pointless questioning they give you when you talk to the guy at the counter, when you could just go to rockauto.com and order all your parts for your car right to your home. They're a family business serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. They'll have everything you need from engine control modules to tail lamps, even new carpet. Their catalog is unique, super easy to navigate, and best of all, the prices for all that stuff, always reliably low for everybody. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you could go to rockauto.com right now and see everything they have for your car or truck right locked on? In their How Did You Hear About Us box, show know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Time for the weekly. This is probably the first one of the year, so calling it weekly is dumb. But this is the first installment of what I'm going to do myself. Adam can do whatever he wants on his own episodes. Of Standings Watch, Pacers currently ninth. The Hornets are in eighth, half a game ahead of them. The Heat are in seventh, three games ahead of them. And the Celtics are also three games ahead of them in sixth. The Hawks are eight are four ahead of them and fifth, and the Knicks are five ahead of them in fourth. Technically, that's the highest. Actually, that officially is the highest the Pacers can. No, that's not true. The, the the Bucks are nine games ahead in third. The Pacers can technically catch them in the standings. They won't. Um, and then behind them, the Wizards two are one and a half back. They're on fire. The Bulls are three and a half back, as are the Toronto Raptors. Those two teams are not on fire. So that's just the general premise of what's going on. So, like, given the guys that they're not tanking, it's it, and Adam kind of talked about the play yesterday, it'd be pretty hard for them to fall behind the Wizards and one of the Bulls or Raptors because the Bulls and Raptors aren't playing awesome. And let's just say these those two teams have won right now the let's just say it was not relevant, but they have won 42% of their games so far this season. Okay, they have 10 games left. Let's say they win 70% of the rest of their games. The Pacers would still only have to win four times to stay ahead of them, right? And they have a pretty easy schedule after this Nets game coming up for a while. That's very doable for the Pacers to only win four games. They could still win the tiebreaker over the Raptors with a win in the last game of the season. They did lose the one to the Bulls, so that could be relevant, but... They'd only have to win four if those two teams have a very good closing. And um, the thing I want to focus on with the Bulls and Raptors, their schedule, right? The Bulls play the Hawks, right? That's going to be a game that matters for the Pacers' standings in one direction. Either it makes the five seed, which is probably unobtainable at this point if we're being real. There's only t- Remember, there's only like 10 games left in these seasons, right? So like these gaps seem really small, but the season's almost over. So Bulls play the Hawks. That game could push the Bulls farther away or make the fifth seed slightly more attainable. The Bulls play the Hornets, who are one spot ahead of the Pacers by half a game. That game will definitely have a big impact 
on what happens for the Pacers. That game's May 6th. That's a big one. Bulls play the Celtics the following day, the back-to-back Bulls. And the Celtics are in sixth, really tied for seventh. Uh, and then the Bulls play the Raptors on May 13th. And, you know, one of those teams is guaranteed to lose that game. So the quest, the fake quest for seven that I just made up one second ago is really going to be tough for them. And if they win all those c- crucial games, that means the Hawks have a worse record. That means the Hornets have a worse record and the Raptors and the Celtics, which still gives the Pacers some benefit. On the Raptors side, they play... Very few games that are as important to the Pacers. They play the the Wizards on May 6th. That May 6th day, write that down on your calendar. May 6th, we get Hornets-Bulls, huge game for play for, for positioning for the Pacers. And we get Raptors-Wizards, also a huge game in positioning for the Pacers. Who do the Pacers? I think the Pacers play that day. Who do the Pacers play on May 6th? That's going to be... It's going to be one of those days that you remember the season. Ah, it's a, it's a Nate Bowl. It's it's Pacers-Hawks. Okay. So that game is going to be huge for the East standings just in general, uh, May 6th is. But, yeah, really the, the Raptors don't have as many key games against the East. In fact, they have four, five, six, seven of their final ten are against the West. And then they play the, the Pacers on the last day of the season. It's impossible to say if that game's even going to matter. Um, but if it does, that's important that the, the Pacers have that chance. So the teams behind the Pacers catching them, both looking at the standings as the Bulls lose today, um, the Bulls lost a couple out, or the Bulls lost yesterday. Excuse me, to the Knicks, they got creamed. So looking at the standings now, it just it looks pretty hard for those teams to catch up unless they have just a ridiculous close this season. The Wizards, who are ten, and and right now would be the team the Pacers play in the play-in. Could they get caught by either of those teams? Right, that's a different thing. You know, the Pacers could still make the play-in, but have a different opponent. And the Wizards are on fire and have studs. And if Russ is playing like he has been, you honestly would think that they had had the best two players on the court in a potential game against the Pacers and would be very tough in a, in a best-of-one elimination. But if the Pacers-Wizards is going to happen, it's going to be because the Wizards are on fire playing. That said, Wizards-Pacers, two more games this season, May 3rd, May 8th, right? So those are big for tiebreaker purposes. If the Pacers want to host that 9-10 game, should it happen, winning both of those games could be crucial as the Wizards are on fire. And if they don't want to play the Wizards, beating them both times could really help some of those other teams try to sneak into the 10 seed. Losing both of those games, the Pacers could be on the road for that 9-10 game. So that, both of those games are next week. We'll cover the, the game previews as we do on the show. But that, those are important games. Wiz Raptors, like I said already, is May 6th. That one's going to be big for the Pacers standings either way. Wizards play the Hawks twice, and then they close the season. The final day of the season, they play the Hornets, right? So there's a chance that that final day, the Pacers are still trying to jockey with the Hornets for, for playing, seeding, and the Wizards, and that, that game could could come down and matter quite a bit. Uh, and speaking of the Hornets, they're half a game ahead of the Pacers, right? So this is actually something I, I kind of want to talk about with the plan. I've kind of skirted just around like what matchups could be happening, the schedules for these teams. If you're going to be in the plan for sure, and you and look, it's not for sure, but it's pretty effing likely the Pacers make it. Like, especially given their schedule coming up. Like, obviously the Nets tonight are very tough. That very unlikely win. After that, Thunder, Wizards, Kings, Hawks, Wizards, Cavs, right? They should win three or four of those for sure. And that, again, makes it really hard for those teams chasing them to get those seven wins to not make them make the playoffs. So if we assume that the Pacers are going to make the play-in, then you'd rather be 8th and nine. 
But there's no, right? Because then you get two lives. You can play the two seed or the one seed instead of just having no control over your first opponent. You can still make the lottery or like everybody can still root for their preferred result, yada, yada, yada. But you have more options in that case. That said, there is little value to getting seven instead of eight outside of hosting the game. And the Pacers suck at home anyway. But getting eight over nine is really valuable. So chasing Charlotte's going to be something to monitor the rest of the way. The Hornets have that tiebreaker. The Hornets have a very easy schedule. They still have Pistons, Pistons, Magic, Pelicans, and Bulls on their schedule, and the Wizards to close. But Hornets-Bulls, like we said, big standings game for the Pacers, one of those teams guaranteed to lose. Same with Hornets-Wizards to close the season. There are so many of those games, as I look around the standings, for those teams that really impact the way the Pacers' season's going to end. That, again, I think if the Pacers win three or four more, and that's very doable for the rest of their season, they're going to be in the plan. I think they only need to win three or four more. And it's because so many of those teams play each other, they're guaranteed to lose X number of times, right? It's looking very likely to make the plan. As for catching those teams in the 6-7, you know, escaping the plan, um, you know, they have the tiebreaker with Miami, and Miami's only, only, air quotes, three games ahead of them. But, you know, catching those teams, like I said earlier, the Bulls and Raptors catching the Pacers would be really hard, right? Really hard. And that's a three-and-a-half game difference. Catching the Heat is the same difference, basically, for the Pacers, right? That's really hard. So it's very unlikely they get into the 6-7, though it is possible. It would take one of the Heat or Celtics just cratering the rest of the way. And I would say catching the Hawks and Knicks is basically impossible. Catching the Knicks would – like if the Knicks go 0-10, the Pacers still have to go 5-5 five and five over a, a, a fake 10-game sample that's not real, right? So it's, it's basically – not possible the 4-5 anymore, which was always the reason they would really push. So at this point, the Pacers pick up four wins. They'll be in the play-in. They can jostle for what they want at that point. But getting out of the play-in seems very unlikely to me in either direction, getting above it or below it. So they just need if – they, if they beat the Nets basically tonight, like getting an unlikely win, they basically have it locked up at that point. They'd be – and they could jostle for 8-9. But we'll do standings watch again next week, see how the important games go, see if any of these teams – lose some games they shouldn't or win some games they shouldn't and shake things up. Uh, but, you know, it, it's looking like we kind of know how the season, regular season at least, is going to end for the Pacers with them somewhere in that 8 to 10 range, who they play, where that game is played, that kind of stuff will be the topics of discussion. All right, we'll do that every week. I hope that was informative and interesting. I think it is. You know, seeing how many of those games really come against other teams, like seeing how many of those games for those teams around the Pacers come against other teams in the same group really makes it clear how how hard it will be for the Pacers to not make at least the plan. And remember, for you Lotto fans, it's still possible to be in the Lotto and the plan. So you still all have something to root for the rest of the way. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about. Now I want to talk about a specific stat. Hopefully I don't bore you to death. I love doing these segments and really digging into something. And I talked about it in the Nets preview, but drives. Driving is going to be important to beat the Nets, and the Pacers are driving like crazy recently. So let's take a short little break and talk about drives. But first, we're going to talk about the awesome folks over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing right now, as is the NBA, as is the NHL, with playoffs also coming up for them. And even more is coming up. NFL Draft is tonight. You can bet on the draft at BetOnline.ag, Kentucky Derby, first leg, Triple Crown begins this weekend. BetOnline.ag has got you covered for all that. And NBA land tomorrow night. 
The Bucks are favored by 12 and a half against the Rockets. I mean, that game's going to be much more of a blowout than that, if you ask me. But don't take gambling advice from me. I am not very good at this stuff. But I would pick the Bucks one bit more than that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action as teams prep for the playoffs. Head over to that website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device. Sign up. And when you sign up, if you use the promo code Locked On when you create your account, all one word, Locked On, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so Edmund Sumner, after the Magic game, the Pacers won handily. Their only big win in like a month. In fact, it is their only big win this month. He had eight free throws attempts it did in that game. And J. Michael, Indy Star, was asking him about getting free throws up and all that stuff. And first of all, this is not related to this segment, but I thought this was interesting. He's just talking about his days at Xavier, how that was like his thing before his injuries. He was good at getting to the line and drawing fouls lane, which he's getting better at that as he continues to get more reps and grow. One reason you play younger players at this stage of the season. Anyway, he also said something that's helping him get those fouls is the small ball pacers, right? The court is really open. Like even, even Jakar in the dunker spot, which is like, for those who don't know what the dunker spot is, I say that a lot on this show. It's like on the baseline, kind of behind the backboard, but not really like 10 feet out to the wing, maybe like 12 feet out. So what that what that allows you to do is if you drive and that, that guy's defender comes to help, you throw him a bounce pass, they catch it on the move, and they can just dunk. That's why it's called the dunker spot. Or they can make a pass from there, whatever. Jakar Sampson spends a ton of time there. It provides a ton of spacing because guys still have to help from there. So these small ball groups, Jakar's on the perimeter or in the dunker spot, O'Shea's on the perimeter, Everyone's on the perimeter, right? There's no tall people. Like, Goga's not rolling into the paint or Sabonis isn't catching at the elbow or catching on the block or Turner occasionally ventures down there, right? Sumner talks about how open the floor is with these groups. And that's not saying it's better or worse. Let's make this very clear. This is not an anti-center thing. This is just something he was talking about. And it's making drives more possible. So I wanted to check on that. And since... Turner, or sorry, since O'Shea entered the starting lineup, so since Turner got hurt against the Hawks, the five games, San Antonio, OKC, Detroit, Orlando, Portland. So caveat, some bad teams in there, but still. The Pacers are driving 67 times per game. 67. That is a ton. For reference, since March 1st, I just picked that date out so you couldn't just say, oh, they adjusted and drive more late in the season. Since March 1st, they're averaging 56 drives per game. So that's 11 higher than that. If you remove... The date filter completely. This season, they're averaging 55 drives per game. So they're up about 12 drives per game since Turner's injury. If you really start since his first injury, right, not the the foot one that has kept him out for forever, but on April 7th, he missed that Minnesota game. I forget exactly what he heard. I can't believe I don't remember. But there's so many Pacers injuries, I can't even keep up anymore. Anyway, since that April 7th date, they're averaging 63 drives per game. So their drives are up like like... 20% up on drives per game. And something Bjorker always talks about is paint touches. He loves paint touches. It's something he kind of has his assistant coach track during the game. And what that is to him is the ball handler drives and gets his feet in the colored paint, right? And like, yeah, duh. Like when I explain it, it sounds obvious. But the value that has in terms of warping a defense or opening up a shooter, or even in like TJ McConnell and Karis LeVert's case, like just getting a shot that the guy is comfortable with has a ton of value, right? So I think that we're seeing, duh, this makes a lot of sense, but I think it's super interesting to see how often the Pacers not only are driving, but are having success driving in these small ball groups. So they're shooting 44.6% 
on these possessions. That's not very good, right? So in that same time frame, uh, this is since the injury, so since uh, March 19th, that 44.6% only ranks ahead of about seven teams. So still in the bottom third of the league, but they're getting a ton of shots out of those drives as well. They're first in the league by a mile in that. So the Thunder are driving more than them, but their Pacers are shooting more out of those drives. Karras and McConnell are big drivers of that. They lead the league in points per game off drives. They're still really high up in passes off of drives, right? They they just they're really trying to keep it moving without these big men, and that is super interesting to me. I think that's a fascinating and smart way to play your small ball groups, right? Let's get O'Shea cutting and occasionally attacking off the catch and throwing it to another guy who's going to drive and then throwing it to another guy who's going to drive and they run all these weave sets and they have Jakar Sampson occasionally dribbling. Like They have the right guys dribbling and they have a lot of drives happening and it's actually making their offense kind of good since then, right? Like Again, caveat being they've played some absolute crap teams, but they even scored well in their loss to Portland the other night. So... The drives, or I was about to say the drives, the driver of the offense, and I stopped myself to tell you guys about the stupid thing I was about to say. Anyway, the drives are opening up the court for them and allowing them to score. They are tied for 18th in offensive rating despite missing two of their best, let's say, four offensive players in Sabonis and Turner. And if you count Warren and Lamb out, I mean, even more than that. So drives are driving the Pacers right now. I think that's super interesting insight from... Edmund Sumner, how often they've been driving. Also, 3.3% turnover rate on those drives is the best number in the league, right? Drives have been their thing in these small ball groups. It's been really effective for them. It's allowing them to have at least a capable offense without some of their better offensive players. It's allowing them to bend the defenses and get into the paint and make all this happen. And I think it's so interesting that how much the space is helping them navigate right now with all these guys out. And I wanted to talk about it because I hadn't really had a chance to dig into the numbers since Sumner said that. And I'm glad I did because it was super interesting to think about. I think the thing that they're lacking that a lot of other teams are getting is the free throw attempts that are still under nine per game on free throw attempts off of drives. That's seventh in the league, which seventh sounds good. But when you remember they have a ton of drives and a ton of points, it's not quite as good, right? So drawing some more fouls or being a little more patient, like Jakar's really good at like the pump fake, up fake, and then go to the other side of the rim and get the foul play. Right, more creative stuff like that to draw the fouls could make those drives even more effective. But everybody has been pulling their weight, getting into the lane, making the offense still hum with these, you know, with the floor floor spacing is a little extreme, but with a decent shooting big and a post creating hub and great two great screeners out of the lineup. And they are doing this with fewer screens or worse screens or both, really. And I think that's noble, too. I think that that it's very interesting to just see how they're doing it. So that's something they're going to have to do against the Nets tonight. A lot of drives against a not-great-help defense team and a not-great-individual defense team. So that's something I would watch tonight anyway. Can the Pacers drive? Can they get in the paint, break the Nets' defense down, and make easy opportunities for their teammates? Because if they lose, they lose to the Nets, whatever. But if they win, their season trajectory, as I just talked about in the previous segment, changes ever so slightly. So thank you, guys. So much for listening to me opine about drives and talk about the standings and the Pacers-Nets game. I had a lot of thoughts about all of those things, so happy to break it all down. Adam will be back tomorrow to talk about Pacers-Nets, what happened, possibly uh, the 31 straight season home game winning streak being snapped. I thought he was going to talk about that yesterday, but he did not. But I think that's interesting, and if he doesn't do that, I will do that at some point 
I think that's an interesting topic for the Pacers. But yeah, we'll break down all that and who's playing well and all the all the same stuff Adam does on the post game shows. And we'll be back Monday, of course, to talk Pacers, what they're doing, what the rest of their season should look like. You know, it's kind of weird with under ten games left. You kind of know what every team is. You know, it's coming. You just gotta you gotta find the unique angle of what the Pacers need to do to get it done. Uh, and the small ball angle, it's drives. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. We'll, Adam will be back tomorrow. We'll be back Monday with more content. And we will see you tomorrow.